Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. I have a, a booklet in my office that weighs about five pounds. And what it is is just notes and scripture references I took from the last time Mike, Mike came and spoke to us. I'm just kidding. Mike is, uh, is just amazing, his uh, ability, God-given ability to retain the Word of God. And I, I so appreciate about that about him. The first time that I heard him, I was just blown away by his ability to, to just, just the Word of God just flows out of him. And, and one of the folks that we had in the church we pastored at one time before had tried to take notes on Mike. I did it myself. I just got worn out. My, I think I wore out three pencils just writing down scripture references. But he decided, you know, it was going so fast he couldn't keep up. So what he started doing was making a mark, you know, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. And so at the end of the service, he counted them up. There were 270-some scriptures with the references that Mike had quoted during the, during the, during the message that morning. So my encouragement to you is uh, if, you, if you are somewhat tech-savvy, uh, even if you've got a smartphone or if you have a computer, just sit back this morning and listen. Just listen. You know, just lay your, your notes aside. You're not going to be able to keep up with flipping pages in the Bible. I promise you that. Because it's going to come at you like ba 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 ba. But this is what I encourage you to do. We have a, 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 a thing called, um, what is it, live streaming here, but what, what do we call it? Um, a podcast. Thank you. A podcast. And you can go to, our, go to destinycity.org. And it'll come up, you'll have a little tab that says media, click on that. And then it'll have all the messages that we have preached here over the past couple of years. And you can pull it up, pull up the message, and you can hear Mike live again on that. And you can hear it as many times as you want to. And, uh, and not only that, it will probably be streamed live this morning anyway on Facebook. So uh, you can go home and open it up and, and see it again. So with that being said... I want to introduce Mike to you. Mike Manuel is, as I said, an amazing guy. First of all, he is a, a direct descendant of, the Greek or, of Greek origin. His father and grandfather were Greek. So he loves to go to Greek restaurants. I know that personally. So do I. And, um, and so uh, Mike and I have that in common. But more importantly, he loves the word, and so do I. We have that in common. And so I think that maybe we are brothers separated at birth. I don't know. But we did figure it out, though. We are brothers because his mother and my mother were both mothers. And so if you all will give it up this morning for Mike Manuel from Logan, West Virginia. Come, Mike. God bless you, brother. God bless you, Pastor Don. Amen. We all come from the same parents. Acts 17, 26 says, God made of one blood all nations to dwell together on the face of the earth. So we all go back to the Garden of Eden, and what we lost in Adam, we've more than gained back through the obedience of Jesus Christ. I'm glad that Christ died on the cross for my sins to reconcile me back to the Father. That's the good news you and I have to herald. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead 
and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. How many enjoyed that worship service? Now that's worship. We're lively stones, 1 Peter 2, 5. Build up for a habitation of God through the Spirit. The 100th Psalm doesn't say, Make a mournful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with sadness. Come before His presence with moans and groans and gripes and complaints. I could have misquoted that way in some churches, no doubt. I would have gotten a hearty, Amen, brother. He said, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know you that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth unto all generations. And that includes our generation. It is an honor to be at Destiny City Church. I've known your pastor and his wife for many years. I guess going back probably to the 1980s. Maybe the late, the early 80s? The early 1980s. And uh, we just had an immediate connection. And we consider them the dearest of friends. And God's doing a great work here. And I love the heart that he and this congregation has to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. How many folk want to hasten Christ's return? Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Every time you tell somebody about Jesus, you're helping to bring the Lord back to planet earth. Now, nobody knows exactly when the Lord's coming back, but we can know it's near. Can't we, Pastor Don? In Mark 13, 32, Christ said, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither son but the Father. But Jesus said in Luke 21, 28, when you begin to see these things come to pass, lift up your head because your redemption is drawing nigh. You know, Jeremy, back in 1988, there was a man that wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come Back in 1988. I read that book. There was a lot of information on the coming of the Lord, but not one reason he gave made me think Jesus would come back in 1988. So the next year he wrote a sequel to that book, 89 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come Back in 1989. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So we can't know exactly when the Lord's coming back, but we can know, Dan, when it's near. And I believe the coming of the Lord is near at hand. If you would turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, About 14 years ago, I was up in Pittsburgh preaching. This meeting had been scheduled for several months. The pastor, Brother Jim, is the nephew of a good pastor friend of mine that I preach up in northern West Virginia at his church. And he would come down from the Pittsburgh area when I would preach for his uncle. And he would bring a van load of people down. Then he started his own church. He asked me about a year before he started his church. He said, Brother Mike, when I start my church, will you come preach me? I said, Absolutely. So we had this Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning meeting scheduled. He called me probably six to eight weeks out from the meeting. 
He said, Brother Mike, there's a lady in our church, and she would always come down with our group, and we would come down to Uncle Phil's church to hear you preach. Her son went to Pittsburgh University, and after two semesters, and this young man was a devout Christian on fire for God, went to his mother and said, Mother, I don't mean to upset you, but I no longer believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I no longer believe the Bible is the Word of God. And it devastated her. And she wanted to know if she could persuade her son to come to one of those services. Would I have time to talk to him? And I said, well, absolutely. Well, a few weeks later, now we're about four weeks out from the meeting, I get a call back from Pastor Jim. He said, Brother Manuel, he said, this lady is so distraught. She can't sleep well. She's not eating well. It has devastated her to see her son walk away from God. And she wanted to know, do you think you could help him? I said, well, Brother Jim, you could tell her this. If he's closed his mind, nobody can help him. But if he hasn't closed his mind, I believe the truth will set him free. Christ said in John 8, 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, recently, just a few days ago, I looked at a Pew Research poll. 25% of Americans now claim to be among those called the knowns. Either uh, they don't believe in God or they are agnostics. Or they believe in a higher power or maybe say they believe in a creator, but they don't believe in any particular brand. And the number one reason given was that when they went to college, they were taught evolution. So I went to minister at New Beginnings Church on Friday night. She brought her son out and he sat back and had his arms folded. And God just moved in a mighty way. Gifts of the Spirit were in operation. So after the service, they had fellowship um, in the fellowship hall, and they had some snacks. And I went over, and I said, hey, Joe, I said, I, I've been told that you've renounced faith in Jesus Christ in the Bible. He said, well, that's right. I said, how come? He said, none of my professors believe in God. I said, that's quite interesting. Why don't you believe in God? He said, I just told you none of my professors believe in God. I said, but why don't you believe in God? He really didn't have an answer. So I went through some information, probably about maybe 10 minutes of information. And then all of a sudden, he looked down to the ground. He was silent for about 45 seconds to a minute. And when he looked back up, I saw the scales fall off his eyes. He said, there is a God, isn't there, preacher? I said, yes, he is. He is God. Psalm 92, from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. Look at 1 Peter 3.15. He said, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We need to be able to tell people why we believe what we believe. It's not enough to say, well, daddy believed in the Bible. How come he believed in the Bible? His daddy believed in the Bible and great grandpa believed in the Bible. That's not a reason. We need to know why we believe in the Bible, why we believe in the Christian faith. Christ said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Isaiah 1, 18, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as wool. Those will be like crimson, they'll be made pure. So we need to have a reasoned faith. Believing in Jesus Christ is not a leap into the dark intellectually. You don't commit intellectual suicide when you believe in Christ. 
2 Peter 1.16, we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, according to the law of causation, there has to be an uncaused first cause for anything to exist. Most cosmologists, they theorize on the origin and nature of the universe at one time believed in the steady state theory that everything was fixed in time and space. Albert Einstein said that was the worst mistake he had ever made. Now these cosmologists believe in the big bang theory because the universe is radiating out, radiating out from a central point of explosion. And these cosmologists say that everything that's now in existence was compacted together to something no bigger than the size of an atom or a molecule. And they think it takes faith to believe what you and I believe. (laughs) They believe an explosion occurred. But I had a debate with a professor back in September 2014 over in Goldsboro, North Carolina. I said, Professor, detonate dynamite in your living room, come back a half hour later and see if any improvements have been made. (laughs) Explosions destroy things. They don't create things. Everything that comes into being must have a cause. The universe came into being, so it had a cause. The law of causation stipulates for every cause there's an effect, no effect without a cause, no effect is greater than its cause. This uncaused first cause has to be intelligence. It has to have information to be able to create the universe. Randomness and chaos don't produce order and design. It takes intelligence. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God spoke the universe into existence. The Bible is the only book that presents God as being self-existent. Deuteronomy 32, 29, I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. Psalm 92, from everlasting to everlasting he is God. Micah 5, 2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that shall be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. In Exodus three fourteen, God told Moses, I am that I am. To ask where God came from and be tantamount to asking, how long is the smell of a rose? How long is the smell of a rose? You don't determine redolence odor through the sense of smell. Yes, it is through the sense of smell. (laughs) Some people ask where God came from. That's like asking how long is the smell of a rose? Well, go get a yardstick. You can't determine odor and redolence with a yardstick, with a tape measure. It's through the sense of smell. You wouldn't ask where God came from since... He's always been. That's our view and I to understand, to fathom. But he never had a beginning and he will never have an end. That's why we sang a few minutes ago how great God is. It's hard to understand just how great God is. 
First Chronicles 29, 11. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Psalm 145.3, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. He's beyond human comprehension. Everything you and I experience has a beginning and an end, a start and a finish. God is outside of time. Science describes the universe in five ways. Time, energy, space, matter, and motion. You find those five elements in the first two verses of your Bible. In the beginning time, God created energy, the heaven space, and the earth matter. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved. There's your motion. The universe has design to it. If you walk into an art gallery, see a painting on the wall. That painting has no bearing on whether there's a painter or not. Correct? That's what some people believe. It's like people thinking that they can determine odor with a yardstick. No, you have to smell an odor. If you see a painting on a wall in an art gallery, you know there was a painter. If you go to New York City, and this is September 11th, and we memorialize and we commemorate the sacrifice of firefighters and policemen and others and tried to save lives, and they did save many lives on September 11th. And our heart goes out to the families 15 years later that grieve over their loved ones that were tragically murdered on that day. But if you go to New York City and look at skyscrapers, that lets you know there was a construction company. Hebrews 3, 4, every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. John 1, 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. These scientists challenged God to a contest. They said, God, we can make a man just like you. And God said, I'll take you up on the challenge. They reached over to get some dirt, and God said, oh, no, fellas, get your own. <laughs> Colossians 1, 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That word in the Greek means they're held together. Scientists are baffled. They don't know why everything isn't scattered randomly throughout the universe. The law of forces says that likes repel and opposites attract. Now you have protons with a positive charge. They're compacted together in the nucleus of an atom along with neutrons. And electrons revolve around the nucleus of an atom. And there's no explanation for why these protons are held together. Acts 17, 28. In him we live and move and have our very being. Life isn't an accident. That's right. It's interesting how that they now look into outer space. And they are trying to find life on other planets. And if they hear a sequence of sounds, now it just can't be a random event. Uh, it can't just be a ping. That could be an oscillation, a modulation. But if they hear a sequence of sounds, intelligence is trying to contact us. 
Yet when a sperm fertilizes an egg and a zygote is formed, there's enough information in the first instance of life to fill a hundred complete sets of encyclopedias. Psalm 139, 14. I am fearfully and wonderfully made and that my soul knoweth right well. You're not an accident. Francis S. Collins was a lead geneticist and decoded the human genome in the year 2000. Upon completion of that project, he wrote a book, DNA, The Language of God. Intelligence encoded that information in the DNA, the dexorabinucleic acid. In the first instance of life, the blueprint for you and me occurred. Now that comes from intelligence. If you walk into a library and you see a book opened up over on the table and you go over, sit down in a chair, begin to read what the author wrote, you don't think that ink berries blew off of an ink tree and that a tree fell in a forest and wood came out of the tree and these ink berries fell on the pages of the wood that came out of the tree. And boy, what a nice story, but this is all an accident. That's why Psalm 14, 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 19, 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmness showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. You can look out at the grandeur and splendor of God's wonderful creation and know there is a creator. If I tried to tell you that I was walking down the road Friday evening and I found this watch on the side of the road and this metal came together on its own, the hands synchronized themselves and I have me a watch. You might be uh, polite to my face, but when I would turn away and walk down the road, you start doing this. (laughs) The universe had a beginning. And the universe could not be eternal for two reasons. See, the steady state theory has been totally discredited by the second law of thermodynamics. In a closed system, heat energy dissipates and it cannot be captured and transferred back into usable energy. In other words, the universe is dying a slow heat loss death. We put up Psalm 102.25 and Hebrews 1.10 through 12. And it says that God's going to fold up the heavens like a garment, but his years will not fail. The universe is dying a slow heat loss death. So it couldn't be eternal because if the universe was eternal, it would have lost its heat energy an eternity ago and you and I wouldn't be in this moment. Now think of this for a moment. If the universe was eternal, we couldn't be in this moment. We would have had to have crossed over an eternal number of other moments to get to this moment, which is impossible. God's outside of time. God sets upon the circle of the earth. Isaiah 40 and 22. God sets upon the circle of the earth. The inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a tent to dwell in. From... St. Augustine down to St. Thomas Aquinas, the church taught the earth was round. It was a sphere. The idea of a flat earth came out of secular philosophy. And when the church rejected biblical revelation and embraced secular philosophy, they ended up with egg all over their face. Amen. 
We need to stay with biblical revelation. The Bible is accurate in every statement that it makes about the nature of man, the beginning of man. Now, these evolutionists are baffled because they haven't found any transitional forms in the fossil record connecting men to apes. Charles Darwin, founder of evolutionary thought, wrote in his Origin of Species, 1859-1860, there should have been millions of transitional forms in the fossil record, and there are none. He said countless numbers should have been embedded in the rock strata. We found none. He said all of nature should be in confusion. Now, about 11 years ago, I had a discussion with a microbiologist professor from Warren State University. He was also an atheist. And I said, now, let me get this right. And I said, first of all, you're a faith man. And boy, he didn't want to hear that. And he said, blank, no, I'm not a faith man. I said, yes, you are. You believe in spontaneous generation. I said, spontaneous generation has never been observed. Science is supposed to be based upon empirical data, verifiable proof. You believe in an amoeba, a single cell life form, came about on its own. You don't know how it happened, but you believe it happened. And you believe that this cell through mitosis divided itself. Now you've got two undifferentiated cells. I said, how did this cell know I'm going to be the male and this cell I'm going to be the female? And a half a million years later, they jettisoned a sexual reproduction, came together with sexual reproduction. He said, blank you, man, go to hell. I felt pretty good with, for an atheist professor to tell me to go to hell. I've made progress. Now, I'm not going there. I told him, I said, I'm not going there. But I'm glad that he at least said go to hell. Because he must believe in the afterlife. We were made in the image and likeness of God. Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. There are 14 elements in the soil. Those same 14 elements constitute the human body. Darwin lamented the fact they couldn't find transitional forms. The man that wrote the hundredth forward to Darwin's Origin of the Species, Sir Arthur Keith, in 1960 said this. Evolution is unproved and unprovable, but we believe it. Because the only alternative is special creation, and that is unthinkable. I have to agree with Sir Arthur Keith. If you don't go to where the science takes you, you're not thinking. <laughs> Dr. Howard Urett, who won the Nobel Prize in the field of chemistry, says it's hard to imagine that Life evolved on this planet. Now, we believe, now get this, he and his colleagues, we believe as an article of faith that life evolved from dead matter on this planet. Its complexity makes it hard to believe how it could have happened. Richard Dawkins, a prominent evolutionary biologist that teaches at Oxford College in England, made this statement about the appearance of life in the Cambrian period they say over 500 million years ago. Let me say this about that. When I taught geography many years ago, and I left teaching in October 1986, so the middle of next month will make 30 years that I left teaching. In fact, I've got a former student here, Dan Bryant, and his wife Tracy, and the new little baby girl. I don't know if Dan remembers this, but I got two other textbooks used in the Logan County school system. The textbook I used said the earth we are told was formed five billion years ago. Yet another book used in the Logan County school system said the earth 
was formed 7 billion years ago. And yet another book said the earth was formed 11 billion years ago. They're throwing billions of years around like it's nothing. And I would ask the students, when was the earth formed? Mr. Emanuel, we don't know. One book says 5 billion years ago. Another book says 7 billion. And yet another book says 11 billion. I said, and neither do they know. What about carbon-14 dating? Let me tell you about carbon-14 dating. They make many assumptions. Carbon-14 dating dated snails as being 27,000 years old that were still alive. You can find out Ken Hovine. He's got a creation ministry down in Orlando, Florida. Carbon-14 dating is accurate for dating things of recent age. But you make many assumptions of carbon-14 dating. So we don't need all this information. Let me say this. We need to have answers When young people come and ask us questions, we need to have the answers. And then when we give them the truth, not only will they never be swayed away from what they believe when they go to college, they'll win their classmates and maybe even their professors to the Lord. But we need this information. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 2 Corinthians 2, 11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. But Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. So we need to have this information. Richard Dawkins said this, we find fully evolved life forms in the fossil record with no history. He said it's as though they were planted there. And he said in a sarcastic manner, much to the delight of the creationists. And then he said this. This came out of the mouth of one of the most prominent evolutionists around today. I don't need any proof. I know evolution is true. Richard Leakey, a noted paleoanthropologist, said, if pressed, I would have to say, To date, we have no fossil that connects man to another species. If further pressed, we need to do that, I would have to say there's more evidence of an abrupt arrival of man upon this planet and a recent arrival of man upon this planet than a gradual process of evolving. And yet this man says he's an atheist or an agnostic. Stephen Hawking in an unguarded moment, said this. Here's a man that teeters between agnosticism and atheism. He said, it's hard to conceive the universe as we know it without thinking that it was created by God for us. Think of this for a moment. A bird cannot fly on 2% of a wing. It would be an impediment to the survival of that living organism to have 2% of a wing. It would slow it down, and predators would eat the bird. Let me ask you another question. If a bird did evolve, who would the bird mate with? In Matthew 19, 4, Jesus made them male and female in the day they were created. What good's a mouth without an esophagus, an esophagus without a stomach, or a stomach without a colon? If a living organism was surviving, why would a mouth begin to form? Because where would the food go to? Hallelujah, saints of God. We need this information. We need to be able to transmit this information to young people. And I would advocate, and I will uh, be able to give you resource materials where you can get a hold of that. And I'll tell you, uh, Justin, if he can hear, 
it would be good at the middle school level to begin to teach creation science. When I went to Marshall University, of course, I was a drug addict, becoming an alcoholic. didn't matter to me what was said. I just accepted a hook, line, and a sinker. But they said eyesight came about because fish without eyes swam out from under rocks, and the sunlight began to hit the front lobe of the fish and said, how come the eyes didn't form on the back? It formed right on the front. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. If you're a fish without eyes and you swim out into the sunlight and your head begins to hurt, where are you going to stay away from? The sunlight. <laughs> Rick Dalton, uh, he has a construction company, and he dined him out of the hillside out in Logan, West Virginia, where they put in uh, the Fountain Place Mall. Several years back, I was preaching in Fort Little, Pennsylvania. He was working up in Dubois, and he drove two and a half hours down to be in some revival meetings, and he told me about this. He said they dined him out of the hillside out, and they found a... Uh, a coral bed. They called the botanists from Marshall University. They came down and they said, I guess at one time this hillside was covered by water. Now, where I was born and raised at, 84 High Street, Logan, West Virginia, um, you could go about probably uh, 60 yards straight up the hillside over to the right, and there is a rock. That rock is about as big as this bench with the imprint of a fish that big in the rock. And I asked my eighth grade earth science teacher, who was my baseball coach, Jim Bailey, I said, Mr. Bailey, how did the imprint of a fish get in the rock? On top of the hill, he said, well, Mike, I guess at one time that hillside was covered by water. There are sand deposits on the top of the Appalachian Mountain Range. Do you know that 85% of the rock surface of the earth is sedimentary rock? Sedimentary rock is formed by water action. Igneous rocks are formed by volcanic activity. Yes, the earth was covered by water at one time. Rick Dalton's crew dynamited further into the hillside. And they found an oyster bed. So they called the zoologists from Marsh University. They came down. And here's what they said. Birds flew in from the Atlantic Ocean with oysters in their mouth and dropped them in that location. Let me tell you something. It's a long flight from the Atlantic Ocean to Logan, West Virginia. And the oysters aren't going to make the trip. They're going to be a good meal for the birds. Stop and think of some of this reasoning. And the frauds have been perpetuated upon not only the scientific community, but the general public. Piltdown man. Fooled the scientific community and the general public for almost 80 years. It was the 600-year-old skull of a woman, a 500-year-old jaw of an orangutan, and the bones were doctored to give the appearance of age. The Nebraska man was touted as a link between men and apes. And it was reconstructed from a tooth ended up being the tooth of a pig. The Java man was reconstructed from a skull fragment, three molar tooth, and part of a thigh bone. Many of these paleontologists have fertile imaginations. They found some skeletons, I think, near the Heidelberg men. The Heidelberg man, Cro-Magnon man, Neanderthal men were modern men. The skull capacity was the same as you or me, and you could tell the difference between a skeleton of a person that died today and, the, and those skeletons. But they found some skeletons with curved backs. <laughs> Go to the graveyard, exhume a body of somebody that died with scoliosis, curvature of the spine, and guess what's going to look like? They had arthritis back then. And if evolution were true, how come today... We don't have three-fourths of a man, one-fourth of an ape, three-fourths of an ape, and one-fourth of a man. All men, all apes, all birds, there's a variety within every species. Genesis 1.25, and God said, let each bring forth after its own kind. In the human family, 
You've got the Watusi and the pygmy, the tall and short end of it. And you've got the St. Bernard and the Chihuahua and the dog family, the large and small type. But how many knows a man is a man and a dog is a dog? They point to the finches on the Galapagos Islands. The the beaks elongated during times of scarcity of food. The reason is God put that within the DNA so they could survive times of famine. But the beak didn't turn into another appendage. That's never been observed. Only modification of existing structures, no new appendage appearing. God made man in his image and in his likeness. We were made and created to worship God. Man's intellect is so amazing, it's hard to quantify it because we were made to be creators. God is a creator. We were made the image and likeness of God. I did a uh, session with students at the Halifax Christian School in Virginia back last October. I preached at the church Sunday night, preached another church in Appomattox, Virginia Sunday morning. And several months before the meeting, uh, Pastor Wayne called me and said, Mike, could you stay around on Monday because I was headed to Chesapeake, Virginia to preach at Kingdom Life Ministries. He said, could you stay around on Monday and uh, do a teaching with the, for the students and then they can ask you questions and answers. Well, I did that. And they had grades 12 through 1 to meet in the gymnasium. And 12th graders were asking questions and 9th graders and the questions were uh, easy to answer. And then this little girl named Mandy, she's 7 years old. She looks a lot like my wife of the pictures I've seen when she was young. And she has brown hair parted right down on the side. Cute as she could be, as nice as she could be. And she asked the most profound questions. It blew me away. And I thought the teachers had helped her with the questions. They said, no, Reverend Manuel, we didn't give anybody questions. We said, just have your questions ready and you can ask these questions. And I mean, she said, now if God knows everything and he knew that Lucifer was going to sin and he knew that Adam and Eve was going to Sin, why did God make the angels and Adam and Eve? Now I'm standing before all those students, and this little girl's asked me this question. I had to depend totally on the Lord. Isaiah 15 4 says, God will give us a word to speak in season. But it just came to me. I said, Honey, God didn't want robots or automatons programmed to act a certain way. It is 1150. It is time for me to praise the Lord. Oh, I've got to do it too. More times. It's one thing if you ask your son and daughter, come over here, jump up in my lap, and tell me how much you love me. That means a little bit, but not a whole lot. But when that son and daughter of their own will jumps up in your lap and says, Mommy, Daddy, I love you. God made you and I and gave us a free will to choose to love and serve him. That's the accusation Satan made about Job. Does he fear you for not? You put a hedge of protection about him. Let me add him and I'll show you what, he was ma- uh, what he's made of. And guess what? Job retained the integrity of his heart. He really did love God. He really did honor the Lord. Even in times of adversity. We sang that a few minutes ago. Even when the flood of persecution comes in. And we're going to be persecuted. A lady came down to the prayer line and said, Preacher, she goes, Preacher, she said, I'm tired of being persecuted. I don't want to deal with persecution. So I started praying for her dissolution. She said, I don't want to die. I said, ma'am, you didn't give me any other options. Because until you die and go to heaven, the Lord comes back, you're going to have to deal with persecution. And you said you didn't want to deal with persecutions. I actually prayed that because, and that shocked her to her senses. Second Timothy 3, 12, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 
Matthew 5, 11, Blessed are ye when, not mighty if or good, men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. When you and I are persecuted, we need to have a praise party, not a pity party. The flesh wants to feel sorry for itself. We all experience that, but we ought to throw the devil a curveball. Like Paul and Silas, Acts 16, 25, they sang, they sang praises unto God at the midnight hour. I was in Jamaica in January 2010, and this Jamaican tried to sell me some wacky weed. He said, Mon, do you want to get high, Mon? I said, Mon, I've been high all day. He said, Mon, I can keep you there. I said, you didn't get me here, Mon. You can't keep me here, Mon. Mon, what you high on? I said, Mon, do you really want to know? Yes, Mon. I said, it's Jesus, Mon. He said, oh, I know Jesus, Mon. I said, you know Jesus? And you smoked a wacky weed and peddled a dope? I said, you don't know Jesus, Mon. You're serving the Iblos, the devil. He said, keep it down, Mon. I walked beside him. He said, keep it down, Mon. I won't smoke the wacky weed. I won't peddle the dope. I thought of Psalm 68, 1. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee from before him. Psalm 149, 6. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Praise will drive the enemy away. I have an acrostic for the word praise. Putting redemption's amen in Satan's ear. (laughs) If you want the devil to reach for Pepto-Bismo, if you want to give him an excedrinatic number 13, then go ahead and just glorify God. We were created to magnify the Lord. We were created to give him honor and praise. So these people that claim to believe in evolution are having to reevaluate some of their theories. Gary Parker, a prominent evolutionary biologist, jettisoned his belief in atheism and evolution. He made this statement. He said, it's ironic that most people think the strongest argument in favor of evolution is the fossil record, when in reality, it's an embarrassment to evolutionists and makes the strong case for creation. Hallelujah. Now the age dating theory. When I had this debate back in September of 2014, and I was asked questions of why we wouldn't accept the carbon-14 dating, I said, well, it's a flawed way of dating things. And we need to realize that some of the information that's being disseminated is inaccurate at best and dishonest at worst. And that's why we need to know and understand what science really says. You see, we celebrate scientific discovery. Proverbs 25, 2, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the honor of kings is to search it out. The greatest minds in history are men and women that believe in God in general and in Jesus in particular. Now, I think it was Dr. Adrian Rogers. He went home to heaven in 2007. He pastored the great Bellevue Baptist Church when he got his promotion. And he was past president of the Southern Baptist Association. And I heard him teach from Colossians 2.8. And I was down in Florida driving in my car and had the radio on. Colossians 2.8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. And he said of the 50 greatest minds in the annals of human history, now this assessment, this determination wasn't made by Christians and religious people. It was made by secular historians of the 50 greatest minds in the history of man. 46 believed in God. 
And 42 were Christians. Of the four people that claimed to be atheists or agnostic, they had two things in common. Because in the 46 number, you had men and women listed. But of the four people that claimed to be atheists or agnostic, they had two things in common. They were all men, and they were all preacher's sons. They came out of dysfunctional homes. They saw rank hypocrisy. It's like the little boy that asked his daddy after preaching anymore, Daddy, 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 what you said this morning, was that true or were you just preaching? Christ said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men. Second Corinthians 3, 2, we're an open book known and read of all men. You and I might be the only Bible some folk will ever read. They may not go to church and, and open a Bible, but they can read the pages of our life. And they need to see Jesus in us, Colossians 1, 27, which is the hope of glory. And then Dr. Rogers concluded his sermon by saying this. He said, it's not that these people couldn't believe in God. They didn't want to believe in God because if God was anything like their daddy, they didn't want to have anything at all to do with him. Hypocrisy in the church has created some of the greatest agnostics and atheists and skeptics around. But it's a truth that's going to bring people back. Yes. We're going to have the truth. The design argument is so powerful because in the design argument, you see that life has a purpose. And purpose seeks the will. And I'm going to share this that happened to me back in October of last year. We had a leadership conference in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I preached it for a couple of friends of mine up along the coast. Went over to Newport Ritchie as Pastor Vest said a few minutes ago, I do like Greek food. And about 10 minutes south of there is Tarpon Springs. They got all these great Greek restaurants. I love to go to the Hellas restaurant and eat. See, Psalm 103 one says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's about to be within me. Well, that's before. <laughs> Psalm 81, 10, open wide your mouth. God said, I'll fill it. Do you know there's a Christian dentist out in Dallas, Texas that has that scripture on his office door? Open wide your mouth. And I will fill it. But while I was down in Newport, Ritchie, Florida, this man came out around the uh, pool area. And he had two sons. They were in their 20s. One was in his early 20s, the other in the late 20s. He came over and started talking to me. And he was drinking his beer. And I didn't let on that I was a Christian, a preacher, or anything. And in our conversation, then he said he was an atheist, raised up by prominent atheist parents from Greenville, Tennessee, and they headed up an atheism society in Northeast Tennessee. And they started telling me that people that believed in God were foolish and anti-intellectual. And, you know, I'm, I'm keeping my powder dry, but I'm ready. <laughs> and then I began to present to him the science behind this. And in the course of our conversation, he said, well, he had been married early in life, and his first marriage was a disaster, and after five years, they divorced. And he said, then he met his second wife. They were in a beer joint, and he looked across the room, and he said, when their eyes met, he said, they both knew they were meant for each other. I said, wait a minute. How can random protons, neutrons, electrons, atoms, and molecules have meaning? He said, well, what do you mean? I said, you said you were meant for each other. He said, well, you know what I mean. I said, no, I don't know what you mean. I said, will speaks to purpose, purpose to intelligence, intelligence to being. <laughs> purpose means intelligence is involved. But let me tell you the argument that made the 
biggest change in his countenance. Because as I'm just presenting the information, all of a sudden he's, sit, he, now, now he's, getting, he's sitting up erect and he's looking. His youngest son came over to hear what I was talking about. And then I said, if evolution brought us to where we are today, survival of the fittest, we ought to have award ceremonies. For the greatest liar of 2015, Joe. Joe, come on down. Joe told 16,437 lies in 2015, and he tricked people out of $93,437,000. Give him a big hand clap, everybody. Come on. If you're stronger than somebody, more shrewd, cunning, and crafty, we ought to be celebrating that. He got eerily silent. Then I said we ought to have a award ceremony for the greatest mass murder of the decade 2001 to 2010 max. Max killed 12,537 people. He killed 3,237 babies that were going to take up space, eat food, and breathe air. He eliminated 6,400 elderly people that had no longer have any benefit to society. And he's done society a great service. Give Max a big... And he said, well, you can have right and wrong without God. I said, no, you can't. Then everything is relative. How can you argue the point? Try to defend this position. What if somebody's belief system is they love to torture little babies for fun? You can't defend that position. And upon what basis would it be wrong? Thou shalt not kill. Without moral boundaries, society will collapse from within. Psalm 19.7, the wicked shall be turned into hell. Psalm 9.17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Psalm 9.17. It's like driving on the highway. What if you disregard all of the speed limit, northbound, southbound? What if I want to go out on Highway 77? I want to go 75 miles an hour south on the northbound lane. I don't want to go north. I want to go south. There's going to be carnage on the highway. There's a way to reach people. And when I present, all of a sudden, this man was shaken to the core. He had an ashen look on his face. Blood had drained out of his countenance. And he went over through the beer and the trash can. He took it and he came back. He said, I've never heard anything like this. He said, you defend your position well. I said, well, it's the truth. And he walked about 25 feet away and then he came back. He had sobered up. He said, I'm going to have to rethink some of my beliefs. And walked away. Maybe I planted a seed somebody else is going to water. Maybe I watered a seed somebody else is going to plant, but God gives the increase. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that gives the increase. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I have sent it. We need to engage in Christian apologetics and creation science. Changing the world by engaging the culture. See, Destiny City Church wants to infiltrate society. Not withdraw. Find us a cave we can retreat to. An enclave of safety and withdrawal from society. It's getting so bad. You know what Christ said 
in Luke 21, 28, when you begin to see these things come to pass, lift up your head. Then juxtapose that with John 4, 35. Say not ye there yet four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, they're white to harvest. Jesus said, when you know I'm coming back, it's time to go out and bring the harvest in. It's not time to retreat. It's not a time to withdraw. It's a time to go out in highways and byways, compel them to come in. And we need to speak the truth in Ephesians 4.15 with love. I never raised my voice talking to this man. I never became argumentative, belligerent, overbearing, but boldly stating the truth. See, another thing is we shouldn't cede the public domain to the secularists. Christ said in Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, you're the light of the world. Brother Manuel, Pastor Vest, what are you all trying to say? Pass the salt and turn on the light. <laughs> That's what we're trying to say. We've got to go out in the highways and byways and reach people where they are. See, Jesus didn't say, build a church, put up a sign, come all you sinners into the house of God. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Somebody brought you another good news. We should take others the good news. Psalm 2, 8 says, ask of me, I'll give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost part of the earth for thy possession. How many is ready to possess the land? Well, it's a message of love, message of reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespass unto them, and hath committed unto us a word of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5, 19. But we need to have this information. I mean, there is a voluminous amount of information about creation science and Christian apologetics. And to spend some time in research will do yourself a world of good, but it'll help a lot of other people because when they ask you a question, you'll be able to give an answer. And Christ made the promise in Luke 21, 15, I'll give you a mouth and wisdom that your adversaries will not be able to gainsay nor resist. It's the truth that's going to set people free. Let's magnify the Lord. Father, we want to thank for this opportunity we've had here this morning to sing your praise, to worship you, Lord Jesus, fellowship one with another. And Lord, to embrace the information because, Father God, you're the God of creation and science correlates with the Word of God. And we thank you, Father God, that the Bible is accurate in every statement that it makes. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I was in Olney, Maryland back in September of last year doing a creation weekend for Bishop Darlington Johnson. They tried to get a debate set up, but it didn't come about. There were four professors from Howard University uh, there on that Friday night. There was probably six to 700 people there. I mentioned Jeremiah 33, 22, when God told Jeremiah, count the stars if you can. On a clear night, you can count 1,100 stars. Astronomers now tell us they believe there are more celestial bodies than grains of sand along every seashore on this planet. And this professor from Howard University augmented what I said. He said, uh, preacher, what you're saying is true. And then he said, in the galaxy Milky Way, there's only one galaxy in the universe. And this is with a letter B, like in boy. He said, in our galaxy called the Milky Way, there are, as Carl Sagan would say if he were alive, billions of solar systems. Billions. Think of our solar system with planets and moons, 
meteors and asteroids, countless. And there are billions in the one galaxy known the Milky Way. You look at the rotation of the earth, mentioned in Job 38, 14, that the earth is like clay on the potter's wheel. What does clay do on a potter? It spins. Revolution of the sun, Psalm 19, 6. The sun moves on its circuit. Think of that for a moment. It takes the sun 200 million years to make one revolution. We'll be in our glorified bodies when it completes its first revolution. Glory to God. You might feel like you're not making any progress and I'm in a standstill in my life. Listen, the sun is hurling through space at 200,000 miles an hour and through gravitational pull, we're along for the ride. So when you feel like you're not really going anywhere, realize you're in perpetual motion. <laughs> Job 19:26. Put that up and see if, if that's accurate. I think it's where God told Job and he hung the earth on nothing. It's either 1926 or 26-7. But anyway, uh, there were Eastern religions that taught the earth was on the back of a camel walking around. And you know what my ancestors or Greeks taught? Atlas was holding the earth up. And he tricked Hercules into taking the earth back. What do we now know? Discovered that in 1650 A.D., the middle of the 17th century, that the earth... It's suspended in a vacuum. It's hanging on nothing. Now, how could he have known that without divine revelation? Amen. It's Job 26, 7, I'm pretty sure. Can somebody look that up? I want to get that correct. Look up Job 26, 7. What, is, that the, is that what it says? Yes. Job 26, 7. There it is. He hangs the earth on nothing. It's amazing what's in your Bible. Things we just sort of read over and just don't take time to, well, is that really true? Yes, it's really true. Because the God of the Bible is the God of creation. And creation is in harmony with the Word of God. Hallelujah. Let's magnify the Lord. There might be somebody here this morning, Pastor Vest, with Emmanuel. I've sort of wavered somewhat in my faith. Uh, I've heard about evolution. It is presented as a closed case, yet it's still called the theory of evolution. And it needs to be debunked, exposed for what it is, fallacy. That's how we're going to recapture the next generation. Remember, we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's such a strong case for creation. You know, the atheist position really is untenable. To claim to be an atheist, here's what a person was, would say. I've been everywhere there's a where and beyond, and I know there's no God. The agnostic says, well, I don't know if there's a God. That's more plausible, but not really in the light of all the evidence we have. To think, let just think this stuff's just floating around and all this comes out of stuff. That's like believing a windstorm could blow through a junkyard and make a Boeing 747 jet. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's just magnify the Lord. Is there anyone here this morning? Brother Manuel, I've never known the Lord or I've known the Lord. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.